Hi everyone, Jacob Austin here, owner of QS.Zone, and welcome to episode number eight of the Subcontractors Blueprint, the show where subcontractors will learn how to ensure profitability, improve cash flow, and grow their business. Today, episode number eight is going to cover cost reporting. This is a subject as a main contractor's QS that is the bane of some of our lives. It's an enjoyable part of the month when things are going well. When things are going badly, it can be really, really stressful. And sometimes just if you haven't appreciated where you are properly, it can be stressful in itself, regardless of whether the result is good or bad or otherwise. And this is a thing for some subcontractors that I don't really think happens. I've known some people come in to me partway through the job saying that they've started looking into how much things are costing them because they've run out of money. Or they noticed their bank account went a little bit lower than usual this month, so they've looked at how much they're spending and realised they've got a problem. And by this time, it's a little bit late. So what I want to talk to you today about is why you should do cost reporting reasonably regularly. It doesn't have to be weekly, monthly, per se. What the benefits of doing that are, what you can get out of it, what it enables you to do, and just some ways that I would go about it, trying to keep things as simple as we can. So I've literally completed hundreds of millions in contract value and used some sophisticated online systems to monitor costs and some rather unsophisticated Excel-based systems, which, to be honest, work just as well. Bafflingly, within the industry, everybody seems to call it a different name, even though it really is the same thing. The phrase CVR, VCR, VCA, ACV, CVM. And rather bafflingly, at one employer, there was a VCA, which was a detailed document, which then had certain details collated into a summary dashboard, which was then known as a CVR. But whatever you call it, the ultimate goal is to tell you a few things about your job. Are you making money today? Are you going to make money in the future? And if you're in a bad place today, identifying that and trying to get to where you need to be in the future. So the whole point of it, if you think about it in terms of navigation, you start off by assessing where you're at today. So what volume of work have you done? How much you're being paid for that work? And how much is that work costing you? When you know where you are today, you can start planning where you're going. And crucially, because not all of these things are linear, when you inevitably veer off track and you're showing in a different position to where you thought you would be, it helps you to identify your way back towards your end goal. And it's not foolproof because there's a lot of moving parts sometimes in a cost report. And these can, things can get so complicated that one of my old mentors used to say that the only time when everybody would agree on sort of where we are on a project is before you've started doing anything. The first time he asked me, what's the point that you can be really sure that you fully know with 100% certainty where you are on a job? My instant instinct was to say, at the end. Then I'd know that I'd finished and I'd know how much money I'd made. But as he pointed out, there are times or there are particular projects when you don't really know whether you've finished or not. You might have achieved practical completion, but there might be one or two things just bubbling along 
and then the account might not be up to date and it might take quite a while for the final account to be dotted and crossed and all signed up and concluded. So he said, at least at the beginning, you haven't made any money, you haven't lost any money and you haven't made any progress. You can be 100% certain you've done nothing. And this was a man at the time who'd spent some 40 years in the industry and he could say this with real confidence. One day he'll hopefully join us on the show and give you some real insights. So I've worked with some people over the years that just haven't got their head around cost reporting. But once you get into the principles of it, it's pretty easy really. In the most basic way of thinking about it, all we're really trying to do is compare how much we're going to get paid to how much we're going to spend for each element of the work. And it's sort of up to you how you address these various different bits. But my advice is really to keep it simple because what you want to do is be able to monitor whether you're making money on items. This will point out whether you're being disrupted or you need to try and do something to get more money in. And it will also inform your future tender pricing. And what you want to be getting a feel for is if I price with so much labor per square meter of flooring, say, am I able to get the job done for that price? Or next time I tender it, tender similar work, how much do I need to adjust my price by to cover my costs without losing the competitive edge? Another thing that you can do with it is get a little handle on when you're gonna to have to pay for some of the key bits, primarily materials, and particularly some of the more expensive items and get an idea for how much money you might have earned by the time you need to pay for them so that you can keep an eye on your cash flow. And then depending on how much detail you go into, you can also cover things like how much wastage you've had or certainly how many square meters of material you've bought to produce the meterage that you had to cover. So as I've mentioned, some people can get this really wrapped around the head. But you really can make this as simple or as complicated as you want, depending on sort of how big and how complex your scope of works is. So I'll try and use quite a simple example for this, and I'm going to stick with the flooring theme that I've already mentioned. So imagine you've won a project, you've tendered rates based on some cost advice that you had, that included a labor plant and material split. And he also had a couple of things factored in for supervision, a bit of materials distribution, and then a trusty markup for overhead, profit, and insurance. So what you're gonna to want to do is split out your overhead and profit item and your insurance item and keep those separate. And then we're going to work on the basis of your value being how much you're going to get paid and your cost being how much you're going to pay out for the same items. So for this quite simple example, we don't really need to go into too much detail other than maybe one page on an Excel sheet. But you can add some complexity to this and start separating out your time-related items or your prelims costs onto one sheet and then put your measured works items onto another sheet. But what you want to do when you start thinking about how to monitor your cost is to start thinking about what you want it to tell you. And we've got that age-old bit of balance required. We don't want to be in paralysis by analysis mode of trying to measure every little nut and bolt and movement that your fitter makes. But we want to strike the right kind of balance so that it's telling us whether your job is making money 
And in some instances, it might make sense to break it down into chunks of sort of significant sized bits of work so that you can tell whether each of those is making money as well. And then you've got the same kind of issue with the frequency. You don't want cost reporting to become an all day, every day, day job. And there's a balance of minimal returns coming the more effort you put into these things sometimes. But you want to get the frequency right so that you're identifying changes or problems or seeing where you're veering off track and working out what you need to do to correct that. So probably monthly is a good kind of frequency. I've known of some places doing things quarterly. I've heard of people doing it on a fortnightly basis, but some of the decision around how frequently to run a cost report needs to be driven by the nature of your work. So if you're in a really fast-paced, high turnaround environment, reporting on a quarterly basis is probably going to be too infrequent for you to catch things and do something about it. You've probably heard the analogy about planes and navigation and that in excess of 90% of the time, the plane is off course. You've got weather conditions, turbulence, air pressure and the likes, all having effects on airing of the plane and drawing the planned route from A to B. The vast majority of the time, the plane isn't actually following that route. But all the while, it's making tiny little corrections so that it stays within a decent margin of error. So it looks pretty much like you followed the route as planned, but you're veering one way and the other ever so slightly to constantly correct the bearing. And this is what we're trying to achieve by cost reporting. And you've got to sort of think in the longer term for this as well. So on a job-by-job basis, you're pausing and reflecting and, and correcting your course. But when your job is finished, you're reflecting over whether the route that you took was the right one to take and what you would do to change the next job and make that a more profitable job for you. So how are we going to get this done? So in our fictitious bill for our floor laying subcontract, we've got two types of carpet. We've got a vinyl floor and we've got a luxury vinyl tile. We then also got the various preparation items and sundries, edgings, door bars, that kind of thing. And finally, we've got a period in for the supervision of the work and your materials distribution. So sensibly, you're probably going to separate this into five or six items of work so that you've got all your prep together. You've got your four different specs of floor finish you're doing, and then you've got your sundry items. It's whether you want to split those out and measure them on their own, or bundle them in with the relevant bits of work. So if you've got cap and cove skirting around your vinyl, it probably doesn't bear separating that out from the vinyl flooring itself. So you might take a view on chucking that in with the vinyl and measure that all as a one And then finally, you've got your time-related costs, which in this instance are your supervision and your materials distribution items. So we're bundling those bits together, but what we want to catch is how the labor allowance compares to your output, how your materials cost compare to the output, and the same for your plant items. So let's consider the preparation element. We're a month in, we've done so much of the prep work, and looking ahead, we're still within the quantities of materials that we expected to buy, and we're well within the labour element as well. But when we've done our walk around at the end of the month, and we've worked out how much we're going to be paid, but what we're also going to compare is what we've earned so far with what it's cost us so far to do that work. And what we're seeing in this instance is that the labour costs are a little bit higher than we were expecting, only marginally, but 
quite a lot more material costs have been incurred than what you would have earned and what the contractor is paying you for. So this prompts you to have a little look into it. But what you've seen is taking into account material that you've not used yet, you are using more than you allowed for at the start of the job. And how we're going about doing this is, as we've said, we've collated together the labour, the plant and the materials allowances for each of your prep work rates into one little section. And we've got this laid out on one sheet of an Excel workbook. So we've got the descriptions all running down the left hand side. And then we've got four sets of the same columns running across the top. And we've got within those four sets of columns, they're split into quantity, rate and total. So those four sets of columns, one is your value to date or how much you're getting paid for what you've done to date. One is your cost to date. So how much you're paying out. The other is your value at completion. And then we're doing the same thing, but cost at completion. And basically we're going to take the allowances that we already had those going to your value at completion, which is going to represent how much you're getting paid for the job as a whole. And then you're going to take your cost at completion. So you're going to update things like the rate that you're buying the materials at, the quantities that you know you've bought, and you're going to repeat the rates for those in your cost to date column. Note it's only the rates that we're interested in repeating. In your cost to date column, you're going to the amounts of materials that you've used and the amounts of labor that you've used to date. So the rate will be as per your future rate, but the quantity will be as what you've done so far. And then finally, you're going to put in how much you're going to be paid for what you've done. And noting it won't always be the same as how much it's cost you. And this is what we're trying to get to. So going back to our example, we've been around the site and we've looked at the amount of prep work. And this is a bit of scarifying and a DPM followed by a latex leveling screed. And the square meterage that you've completed so far should have cost you around about three grand's worth of material. But when you've looked at what you've spent, it's between four and a half and five grand for that same material. So it's only because we've looked at this at the end of a month that we've been able to catch the issue on this. And what we're now going to do is email the site manager and the QS and tell them that we've got a problem with the floor tolerance because there's far more latex being used than you allowed for. Shockingly, it's pointing at the levels of the floor slab being out. And what you can then do is you're setting up a meeting with the site manager and the QS to review on site and try and establish whether the problem's isolated to a little bit of an area or whether it's widespread throughout the site and you need to ask for a variation for all of the concrete being a problem. What you don't want to do is let this get to the end of the job before you realize that it's cost you more money because then you'll have a job on trying to convince the contractor that you've spent more He'll have little opportunity to raise it with the ground worker and you may well have spent a load of money on materials that you then can't get back. So as I said earlier, this is helping you to establish those little deviations in cost and try and get yourself back on track. And what we're basically looking for in this analysis, when you compare your cost to date versus how much you're being paid to date, as long as the how much being paid to date is greater than the cost to date, you're making money. And that obviously applies to your forecast as well. 
But by doing it in this fashion, what we've done is identified an issue after just one month rather than letting it bumble on for a period of six, nine months or whatever. We brought it to the site manager's attention and following discussion internally, what they've decided to do is they'll pay you for the amount of extra prep that you've had to do in that first month. But now they're going back to the ground worker to say, hey lad, you're concrete floorings poor and you need to sort it out before it costs a load of money in prep work and the ground worker holds his hands up and says following a bit of a survey i can see what we're talking about i'm going to get some copper disc in done we're going to grind off any high spots and we've now identified a few places where there are localized low areas and i'm going to fill those in so by you monitoring your costs for this item you've now avoided you taking on a load of cost burden that you didn't have included in the first place and better than that you've helped the contractor to avoid paying for that cost as well because quite rightly the groundwork has caused a defect by not laying his concrete floor to the right tolerance and he's called the ground worker back and the ground worker is putting that issue right and what we've also done is avoided that area of everyone's hatred of the contractor having to raise a contra charge for something that could have been avoided if it was notified at the right time. Now if you're on a remeasurement job, you might be able to remeasure this at a thicker depth, applying a larger rate than you tended for the same amount of work. If you're on a lump sum, you might be stuck with this as a risk item. But what this event might tell you is that when you put the next bid together, you need to have a think about what kind of qualification you're going to put on your prep work. So then as the job unfolds, you're repeating the same process for your other items. You might get a few instructions in from your contractor to increase the quantities of flooring you get. And what you'll do with that is increase your forecast so that you're catching the extra amounts that you're being paid. And it's hopefully showing that you're continuing to make money throughout the job. So once you've set this up and you've used it a couple of times, you can start playing with some of the information that you're getting out of it to start looking at things like your cash flow. And it's up to you whether you do this because it adds an extra little dimension and a little bit of extra work. But what you can also do is add a further column to your cost to date and total up how much material and how much labor and the likes you've actually paid out to date. And what this is going to help you do is work out whether you are in positive cash on a particular job or negative. Now, if you're losing money overall, there is a stronger chance that you'll be in negative cash at various points of the job. But by comparing a typical month on a project to work out what you've paid out already versus when you're going to receive the cash in for that work and you want to be thinking about payment terms with your contractor and what you've paid out now, you might be only receiving the cash for in 45 days or 60 days or whatever you've agreed to. And what you might consider is then, if I negotiate some different payment terms with my own suppliers, can I hold on to some more of that money? And what does that do to the rate? As in, they might well give you credit for a particular amount, but they might put 2.5%, 3% onto the rate for that versus kind of discount that you might have to offer to a contractor to shorten the payment terms. And some suppliers just charge a flat rate or whatever. 
Others will give you a preferential cash discount for settling invoices early. And what you may be able to do is weigh up whether it's worth offering that 2.5% discount or whether it's worth keeping it and during the payment terms because that might only cost you 1% over the couple of months and you're thereby better off in the longer term by waiting for your money that little bit longer. But all of those decisions become possible by understanding what things are costing you versus how much you're getting paid for them. And hopefully I've shown you over the last 20 minutes or so how powerful that cost reporting can be and the benefits that you would get out of doing it on a regular basis. Now I know that's a bit of a dry subject to talk about, so if you've endured my spiel on this one for this long, then well done and thanks for listening. I'm going to call it a day there for this episode and well done for powering through. So thanks again for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you want to learn more, please do find us at qs.zone where you can subscribe to our training and support system for like-minded subcontractors. In there you'll find templates, how-to videos, interviews and more. And it's less than the price of your cup of coffee per day. You can cancel any time. It says no ongoing contract. We're also on all your favourite socials at qs.zone. Thanks again. I've been Jacob Austin and you've been awesome. Oh, 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 oh,